In part two of this episode of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, Thomas O'Neill and Chris Niles talk more about the evolution of the new normal in their home state of Massachusetts. Now the panel gets into some of the issues facing the historic rollout of a million, if not billion dollar cannabis industry over the next few years. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains, and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called cannabis sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. What's fascinating, we're going to talk about the farm bill for a second, because while we, you know, cannabis, and I will use the M word for a distinctive reason, Mm -hmm. the marijuana derivative of the cannabis plant has THC, the the intoxicating molecule in the plant. Hemp is under 0.3% THC and is now legal in the United States to grow thanks to the farm bill that was passed in December. It's, that's how the CBD thing kind of got in the way here because it's like, well, you know, can we get CBD through industrial hemp? Y- yes, you can. Um, so now you have the marijuana plant that they're still putting the THC against, and now they have the cannabis plant as a differentiator, and in the middle is the CBD that's in both of these entities. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, a fascinating time to be part of the CBD regulations. The FDA is getting involved with it. Um, Do you see a time, (laughs) by the way, I did not ever think I'd see a time in my lifetime where we'd be talking about this in O'Neill PR. I just want to say that. (laughs) That being said, do you see a time where you're going to see an infused menu? The FDA will actually allow you to put, I don't know, five, 10 milligrams of CBD into a a food item. Do, Do you think that could happen? Come on, guys. I'm putting you on the spot here. I, th- I think we'll get there. I think, I think it's going to take some time. I think over the next five years, it's going to be, and I think, it, as, as, as you pointed out, it's going to be a turbulent time. Mm-hmm. These next few years, we're, we're banking. There's so many issues um, you know, to, to sort out, and I think it's, it's an exciting time, and I think, um, I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there on social consumption. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's still questions about impaired driving that legislators have questions about. You know how how we how we work through those those kind of concerns. I think um, are are what are you know kind of front and center for for the legislators. I think that's right. You know, I liken it to the to the beer industry. We were right. talking earlier about it. You know, it, it, ten years from now, you're going to have national brands, mm-hmm. and you're also going to have these kind of draft capabilities at specialty shops. The microbrews. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And and that's exactly what this industry is going to be. There's going to be major players, and they're going to be mom and pops. 
and uh, they're going to differentiate the the entire industry. And and it, there's the the thing about what's going on now, and Massachusetts can learn from what's been going on in California and Oregon right now, because I think they rushed into it. It's a different planet, anyway, California, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Crazy. That being said, no, uh, that's what they say about us. <laughs> but we were here first. Just remember, right? Didn't it all begin right here? I'm that's sure. Right. I'm pretty sure I read my history well, books. Let's continue the program, Pilgrim. <laughs> um, so I guess the the point being, I just wonder what's going to happen next with this. Um, where are we going? What's going to be the next evolution of the new normal? Where, what are we going to see? Is it going to be in the food? Are we going to see it in our in our drinks? Are we going to be able to um, buy it off the shelves? And right now they've approved the topical use of it, which, by the way, guys, if you are an athlete and you do uh, work out and you are sore after your workout, I do recommend finding a topical with CBD in it, rubbing it on, and amazingly, the pain goes away. Yeah. It doesn't go away permanently, by the way, but it does go away in that moment in time, and that's a good thing. Um, that being said, that's just one uh, example of using the CBD, the chemical that's in the, in this plant. Um, the cannabis and the cannabis hemp plant and CBD industries are probably going to dwarf the cannabis with THC industry. Probably, you know, probably. I, and you understand I, I why. A, I met an individual the other day who said, who who came to us. He wanted us to find. Uh, some regulation opportunities for him in Washington. Um, And it's a little premature, we told him. But what he's doing through technology is tracking all the CBD from around the world to its its largest users and needers for distribution purposes. So Hmm. he's in the IT tracking business for the, the, you know, what is it, CBD and, and... Yeah, THC. THC is the intoxicating one, the one that makes you high. That's what he wants to do. He wants to track it around the world for use. Interesting. And And so he becomes a broker through technology. And you know they're actually talking about cannabis as a commodity traded as a future. I I think that's exactly where you're going. Right. It's it's going to be a global market. Absolutely. At some point. Absolutely that's where it's going. And who's going to be the first one? You know, Canada... Uruguay, those are the two biggie, the two nations that people have actually heard of, um, that have legalized this for adult use. Um, th- this is an adult use product too, Thomas. I'm, I'm going to make this point because um, I like, I do wave this flag of responsible use. Um, like any adult use product, when you use too much of it or you use it in a somewhat regular basis that it consumes you, it's dangerous. Moderation is the key for both alcohol and for cannabis. And that's why it's a plus 21 product. Yes. But we also know we're human and everybody likes to push the envelope as a human. Um, I wonder if the uh, cannabis industry will embrace the responsible use like the alcohol industry has been doing over the last five to 10 years. Do you, do you see that happening yeah, yet? I, well, I see, I see it to a point you know, where it's, it's, it's kind of assumed for- uh, and, and, and taken for granted. And we, again, we talked earlier about Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're now taking the product out of some of these bars right. where they once sold it. Mm-hmm. And that's because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the urge for people to kind of travel to Amsterdam to, to go into a bar to get a joint uh, and to smoke, you know, the, the, the cannabis yeah. is, is, is kind of a ho-hum situation today, to be very honest with you. Right. And that's what I think is going to happen here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting when the social clubs do evolve. Um, I think the 
uh, Cannabis Control Commission and Steve Hoffman have done a really good job of getting as much information as possible, right. and they really want to come up with a solution. I'm interested, everybody is kind of waiting to see what that solution is going to be because we have cigar bars, we have hookah bars, mm -hmm. you know, and yet we all understand that we don't want to um, use a flame inside a building because it can lead to fires. Sure. Right. So there's a public safety issue. So that combination of how it's going to evolve, and you mentioned Amsterdam, Dan Adams from the Globe uh, went over to Amsterdam to do a little research, mm -hmm. you know. I'll admit I've done a little field research myself, okay, just to see what this whole thing's all about. And I do have a medical card. I have horrible arthritis in my fingers and in my neck and in my body because I was, I swear, I was an athlete once. I swear I was. Get some CBD. I, I do every day, okay? <laughs> every day with my orange juice and my turmeric. I have this little cocktail that it has nothing to do with alcohol, but it has all this good stuff in it. And that's what I try to drink every day. And it keeps me going. And that's uh, great. You know what? I made it this far. And I made it through today, and that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, let's talk about the social clubs. Where do you think it can go with this? You mentioned the, the dangers of driving. Everybody understands uh, operating under the influence is a, is a challenge, not only for the law enforcement, but also even for those people out there who already do this, and they've been doing it for a long time. And if you've ever driven on the streets of Boston, um, our reputation as drivers are not great. I happen to take offense to that because I think the best drivers are in Boston because you have to expect the most unbelievable thing you'll ever see in your life. Green light, stop. Red light, go. It's just expect the unexpected, right? And you're prepared for that. All the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, and, and that therein lies the rub for me because it's like these people are already out there doing crazy things with their cars mm -hmm. because of their own minds and what's in there in front oh no i have to i just have to drop something off so i'm going to double park right here i mean social clubs how do can you come up with what you think we might see i'm, I'm looking right at chris to see what his his opinion is on this by the way yeah i think i think we'll get there on social clubs i think we'll get there i think there's i think there's a lot of Ancil this ancillary businesses, there's tremendous opportunities, tre tre tremendous economic, uh, you know, growth and and opportunity in, in kind of not just the the, the recreational stores, but the, these these other businesses, these other you know functions to really build it in as the culture changes. And I think that's as Tom mentioned, you know, the culture has changed so significantly, not only here in Massachusetts but really across the country. If you look at the polling data, I, I really think that that's gonna dictate um you know uh creation of the social clubs movie theaters all these different kind of social opportunities to integrate cannabis and i think that's going to happen i think you know the cannabis control commission i think one thing because they've done such a good job we forget what a monumental task they had in front of them um and they've they have made it look easy at times but it wasn't i mean if you look at other creations of other state agencies and tackling an issue as controversial and as as uh you know stigmatizing as this one was they've they've done a lot and i think putting that on the back burner until they can get to it um after you know getting a lot of these stores up and running was was a good thing um i think they're they're going to come up with with a good compromise so it i think they're coming here well let, let's see how it works out whether it's just vaping which of course you don't have to have a flame mm -hmm. to warm up the product in order to vape the product uh, or um, they come up with some other way where it's an outdoor patio or something like that, where, mm -hmm. you know, we do have outdoor smoking designated areas, sure. 
for tobacco smoke, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, you, you mentioned the word that the, the um, we talked a little bit about Mayor Walsh and um, addictive behavior. Uh, one thing that people continue to preach about when they mention cannabis is this addiction. And I take offense to that just for a couple of reasons. One in particular, though, is if it is a product that improves your health, if this endocannabinoid system that's in all of us has been dying for years to be activated by this plant that's been around for thousands of years, okay, when when are we going to get to the point where you understand that it's not an addiction? It's actually something that is good for you that your body is looking to fo- looking for, and caffeine is part of our society. We are all addicted to caffeine. I missed coffee yesterday, mm-hmm. and physically, I had a headache. I was dehydrated. I mean, it was a not a good experience. Um, kind of scary, to be honest with you. When, when you notice that, when you stop using cannabis. There's practically zero effect. You don't notice anything. And that is very, very important when I talk to people about this. And I understand that the substance abuse people out there have to do their jobs too and warn people why it's an adult use product in the first place. You do want to use it in moderation. So um, I through this theory to an oncologist. You know Boston is the center of so much Dana-Farber cancer research. And and if you look at cancer and you look at the history of it, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, we didn't have to deal with cancer that much. When they prohibited, when they put it in the 1937 Prohibition Act, all of a sudden, um, 20 years later after World War II, what have you, we started seeing this, this horrible disease creep into our bodies. So I ran the theory of the fact that we discovered the endocannabinoid system in the humans over the last 10, 15 years. We understand what the um, cannabis plant does to the neurotransmitters and building the uh, autoimmune system that's inside of us. We've already understood that now they're fighting cancer using our own cells, this immunotherapy, Mm -hmm. right? Isn't it possible that if in 1937 they didn't ban cannabis, that they accepted it as a medicine as it was being used up until that point, would we have rampant cancer in our society now? And and I'll tell you, you're not an oncologist, nor I don't think you are, are you? No. Last I looked, I wasn't. Right, yeah. right. Neither am I. But when I ran it by him, he this is an intelligent doctor in the Boston area. I don't want to use his well, name. He said, you know what? You may be onto something. It's a theory. We can't prove it. Yeah, no, it's a theory. Who knows one way right. or the other? Um, yeah. I, I do know this, Jimmy, that um, I, had, I had a very special friend who passed away from cancer mm-hmm. um, about 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. And he used marijuana and the cannabis plant. Mm-hmm. To make that pain that we were suffering with really right. get subsided, right? And it worked. Yeah, that much I do know. Yep. Uh, well, you remember Lenny Zakem? Very well. Yeah, me Very too. Well. We all do. I mean, yeah. uh, and and did you know his brother Stuart is the head of the Marijuana Business Association in Manhattan? I had heard that. Yeah, he is, <laughs> and, and it he, doesn't surprise me. No, and, uh, and MJ Headline News, which is one of his clients, is one of our oh, affiliates on the Pro Cannabis Media Group. That's so great. meeting Stuart was a thrill, and I said, you know, I think your brother put us together for a reason. I just want to <laughs> say. Um, but anyway, guys, look, um, I could sit here and talk to you guys uh, forever. I, I'm going to throw one more one more subject at you. The word pot shops. 
The Globe uses it on a regular basis. I understand, I've been in media a long time, that they don't write the headlines. Headline writers are different than the journalists who are writing the story. There are people in the business that hate that term. They say, you don't call them booze, booze stores, why would you call it a pot shop? Do you think we're ever going to move beyond that? It's a it's a, it's a thing. I mean, uh, again, I'm not I'm not offended by that word. To be very honest, okay. With you. I mean, and it's a, it's a word that, you know, my generation is used forever and a day, um, and it, and it goes back to the late late sixties. Right. I, however, I remember the sixty two. However, as I said earlier, the nomenclature is going to change. Yep. And as we as we get more familiar with the culture, yep. And the culture changes as well. Yeah. You know, you're going to watch those words change, and it, it'll take a very dramatic a very dramatic turn. Yeah, it, yeah, it, I agree, and, and the stig- I think the, stig- the stigma is is going away. I think, you know, uh, among my I think my age group, I think in, in a lot of demographics, people are more willing since decriminalization, since medical, since adult use to talk about their use. Then mm-hmm. I think it's it's coming kind of it's it's more conversational than it was in the past, and I think that that only helps. And everybody has an opinion about it, and whether it's educated or not is really what the challenge is for the whole advocacy group. That's right. That's right. And, and because of everybody's opinion and everybody not agreeing with one another, you know, that, that forces the cultural change. So it's, it's all good. And we're all part of history. And we're watching democracy work. In action. In action. And I tell you, I cannot believe it's in my home state. That's all I got to say at yeah. this point. Yeah. Uh, guys, both of you, Chris and Tom, thank you so much Thanks. for uh, giving thank me some of your day. It. Appreciate it. it so, um, again, for uh, Hugh Drummond, who put this whole thing together, and for Brooke O'Meara Sayan, who's behind this big monitor that I can't see, but I know he's back there making <laughs> sure the buttons are working, and Tony Simonetti, who is doing a great job coming out of retirement, and I put him back to work again, and our executive <laughs> producer, Joyce, Joyce Gerber, who keeps me in line, which is always a challenge. I want to thank you all for taking the time, for letting me come into your life in some capacity to listen as I rave about what I think is the future and in so many ways. So remember, it is a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for listening to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. This podcast is produced by the Pro Cannabis Media Group out of Boston, Massachusetts for the enjoyment and education of our audience. Any medical advice or opinions shared are not a reflection of the Pro Cannabis Media Management or any of the In the Weeds distributors, including CLNS Media and C-Suite Network.